Eagles Entertainment. With the 10th pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and it's time to preview week one. We were able to whet our appetite last week with a handful of games in week zero, but this is where things get real. We've got a bunch of games to break down today, and we're going to get into that. But I want to start things off with our scouting report segment where Eric Galco from the Shrine Bowl stops by what will now be a weekly conversation here on the show where we break down one senior every week as a guy that will be one of the top players in this senior class and could find his way to one of these top all-star games, including the Shrine Bowl here in January. Next up, we're going to go to Saturday scouting. We're, we are going to start our look ahead to week one with Ben Fennel. We've got matchups, players to watch, players with the most to gain, even a mock draft to comb through. We'll do all of that in Saturday scouting. Then we'll round out the show with pick six. My buddy Ross Tucker, he is back once again. We're going to preview six games for this weekend and what will now be a weekly competition between Ross and I. If you tuned in last fall, you know what to expect. Ross is back uh, for a second helping here, and we will wrap up the show with that segment each and every week. As always, just a quick reminder, jump on to wherever you listen to the show, if it's Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Every review helps us. And if you've got a question, we will answer it here. So whether you've got a mock draft you want to submit, if you've got uh, a question about a specific prospect or a team or whatever it is, just go on, leave us a, leave us the question in the comment box in the review section. We'll answer it here in a draft mailbag segment right here on the show. That said, let's kick these things off. I'm excited for my first conversation of the college football calendar with Eric Galco from the Shrine Bowl. It's time for Scouting Report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the Scouting Report. All right, we're pleased to start a brand new segment we're going to do weekly here on the Journey to the Draft podcast as I welcome in Eric Galco, the Director of Football Operations and Player Personnel at the Shrine Bowl. Eric, welcome back to the show, man. Appreciate it, Fran. Excited to do this this week and, and maybe every week in the future. That's the plan. And basically what we're going to try and do is spotlight a senior uh, that has really kind of making some waves and gaining some buzz. And uh, this week, I want to ask you about UConn defensive tackle Travis Jones. Now, Travis Jones, we talked about him last week in the preview for Week Zero with Ben. Uh, he was a member of the freak list this past uh, summer with Bruce Feldman of the Athletic uh, and known for some of his physical traits. But this is a large human being. Uh, I have not done a study of Travis Jones yet. The profile is really intriguing. I know UConn got beat up this week by Fresno State, but you've studied the film. I'm interested to get your take on uh, what you saw from Travis Jones. But I guess my first question for you, how did he first pop on your radar? Uh, when did you first become aware of Travis Jones? And uh, how did that lead you down the path of being able to evaluate him? Yeah, thankfully, it's just been, you know, which which is usually how, how NFL era scouts are doing the same thing, right? You go to a school and you kind of see a guy and you're like, well, that guy is a freshman or a sophomore. I got to kind of wait two years, but I'll be ready to go on him. And he emerged right away as a freshman, I think in 2018, um, had four or five, maybe six tackles for loss. But you could see just how impressive physically he was. And he, I remember the Indiana game in 2019, um, which is now two years ago now, but his right. last season that he played before this year where just really, really impressive quarterback pressures, getting um, pursuing the running backs and, and forcing those running backs to the outside. And I think centrally 2019, we've had our eye on him. Obviously, he didn't play last year because UConn, you know, didn't play any games due to COVID, stayed at UConn. Based off week zero, got his body in a great shape, and now he's a guy that went from an intriguing 2018-2019 young defensive tackle to someone who might you know end up being an early-round draft pick. 
Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up the fact that he did not play in 2020. UConn, uh, the entire team, you know, Randy Etzel basically opted out uh, of all of 2020. So what is, well, I believe the first team to do so uh, said early last summer was like, we're just not going to play, uh, you know, for the sake of our safety for the for this team. So uh, did not play it down last fall, but now we've got a, a, you know, a new look at him. So give us a scouting report. Uh, what have you seen when you've done your deep dive here on Travis Jones? Yeah, he, I mean, he's what we call at the Shrine Bowl an early season eval, right? A guy that we haven't seen in two years or a guy that has some unique trait or some unique ability that we just want to get eyes on right away because it could be totally different from what we saw last time. But one of the benefits of watching Travis Jones against Fresno State in, in week zero still has outstanding hand strength, initial push, really great body um, type and ability to kind of generate force right away, commands double teams in the run game, can play wide as he goes in pursuit in the run game without losing balance, great adjustment after contact and double teams really can play that. He plays a little bit of, of one zero and even three technique on rundowns as well. And he reaches as a tackler. So, so well, when he gets penetration, quick hands, strong hands, gets his shoulders around, but then can really finish in the backfield. And I think he's still figuring out a little bit about transitioning upfield as a pass rusher. It's the one area of his game that I think, I think the NFL scouts and, and ourselves want to really see him improve on is, is finish as a pass rusher. Cause he can have the hand moves, but he can't necessarily get upfield. But as a run defender, he's really, really impressive for a guy who's six, four, almost at or North of 330 pounds. He can play nose tackle in the NFL. I think we're starting to see a little bit of a swing here where, uh, you know, five years ago, you'd say, look, the two gap nose tackles, two gap defensive linemen, not, not a lot of value here. You're not looking at this guy uh, early, or at least not too many of these guys early. Obviously, every once in a while, you see a Vita Vea go in the top 15. But overall now, I think we're starting to see more teams transition, not just to more multiple fronts, um, but with playing with lighter boxes so that they can get numbers back in their favor in the pass game from a coverage standpoint. So if you're going to do that, you need some of these guys up front to be able to eat, eat up space, control two gaps, control a gap and a half. It seems like Travis Jones is one of those kind of guys, right? Got, got to win with four guys up front as often as possible, run game and pass game. And a guy like Travis Jones, if he can eat space and double teams, be a one gap, one and a half, you know, even a two gap type of guy if need be. But again, finishing the back, which is so important. Yeah. He, again, Fresno State, really talented running back in Ronnie Rivers for Fresno State. You watch that game. He's bouncing stuff, everything on the outside by the second right. ha second half of the game because he knows, hey, I can't go up the middle. Travis Jones is going to be there. And you mentioned, you know, the sheer size. Did a quick study and, and something we've always had for a while. He's about 330 pounds. I think he'll play about there in the NFL. 28 defensive tackles in the last decade um, have weighed in 330 pounds of the NFL combine. 28. 90% were drafted. 80% in the top five rounds and almost half in the top three rounds. So if you're that size and you're able to just move effectively, not to mention be as effective in the run game as he is, you're looking at a top five round, maybe a top three round defensive tackle in Travis Jones. Yeah, I'm actually, as you're saying that, I'm like, all right, let me go and pull up uh, the numbers that were reported with him from the freak list. Because again, if you're that big and you move, yeah. I mean, look, the, the shuttle times that Bruce Feldman had there in the freak list, 741 in the three cone, 457 in the short shuttle. If you're 330 pounds and doing that, that's going to catch the eyes of a lot of people for sure. Um, so yeah. we'll see. I mean, this could be a guy where the hour is pointing up. You mentioned, uh, you know, uh, the amount of guys that were that big that went in the top three rounds. Uh, we could be looking at a day two selection here in Travis Jones, for sure. Yeah. One guy I compare him to, Eddie Goldman, went in the nice. top 100 picks. Second um, round pick, yeah. Really, really effective run defender. Um, I think that's kind of what, what Travis Jones' future may be, too. But really talented guy. And based on what we saw, the flashes in 2018, 2019, the fact that his body's in great shape and he was that effective in week zero against Fresno State, the arrow certainly pointing up for Travis Jones. And we'll see how I can go this year.
I like it. Well, uh, Eric, this has been great, man. Well, let's, uh, we'll do it again next week, man. Uh, we'll pick another senior and we'll uh, keep these spotlights going. Let's do it. Thanks, Ren. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, well, let's start our preview here of week one as I welcome in my friend Ben Fennel to go through our first edition of Saturday Scouting, previewing the official start of the 2021 season. Ben, it's time, man. Yeah, no more week zero. This is the full slate. We're finally here. We're into September. Let's roll. Yeah, no question. Well, let's get right into how we're going to start each of these preview uh, segments for Saturday Scouting, where we're just going to pick one matchup each, one one one-on-one matchup with NFL draft implications, something to watch for this weekend. I'll let you kick things off. What's your first one-on-one matchup you're excited to see here in week one? I thought we were going game by game. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's. A, we're going to try and keep this uh, to a limited uh, runtime here. Uh, I cleared my afternoon today. Matchup. Yeah, exactly. I guess right. I'll just pick one here, and let's pick a uh, FCS team Ooh. early in the season playing one of their few Power Five opponents, and that's big Northern Iowa. And I, everybody wants to see left tackle Trevor Penning, who our own Dane Brugler mocked in the first round in our mock draft episode a couple weeks ago. He is a first round caliber player. They only have one power five opponent on the schedule. That means eyes are on that tape. Who comes to town? That's Iowa State. And I want to see Will McDonald, the fourth, finally take on a full-time role. This is a long, oozing, dripping, explosive edge rusher. He was first team all Big 12 last year, Fran, playing just over 300 snaps. He was just a rotational player. We've talked about him a ton. He was a player of the year in basketball, won the state shot put or discus. He's just new to football, still learning the position, but he is long, he's tall, he's explosive, and could be one of the more troublesome defensive ends Trevor Penning sees all season. So there are two things that NFL teams, NFL scouts love when it comes to looking at schedules for any week in college football. They love games like you just highlighted, where you've got an FCS team going up against an FBS squad, and who's the best player? Well, let's see how they perform against a higher level of competition. So Trevor Penning going up against Will McDonald, great example of exactly what scouts are looking for on the college football calendar. The other example of something scouts are delighted to see is when you've got these huge out-of-conference matchups, outstanding blue-blood programs going head-to-head. And we got a couple of them this week, but the one, the big one, Clemson versus Georgia. Not just big NFL draft implications, but certainly college football playoff implications as well here in this matchup in week one. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to be picking the game later here in the show with Ross, but one matchup that I just can't wait to see personally is Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross, who missed all of last year after ne- uh, sur- surgery to his spine, uh, an injury that kept him out of all of 2020 and put not just his football career in doubt, but obviously uh, huge medical implications with him as well. How will he look at, obviously, some other really talented Clemson wide receivers, whether you're looking at Joseph Nagata, uh, Frank Latson, you go down the list. They've got a bunch of other true sophomores, a Jew, a Jew. I uh, don't want to leave him out. They've got a ton of talented young receivers there. But I want to spotlight Justin Ross, who me personally, Ben, like I watch Justin Ross and he's a first round talent. I, you go back and watch him as a freshman. You watch him as a sophomore. He's long. He's explosive. He can go up and win. He's a ball winner on the perimeter. He can run away from defenders. I mean, he is a really, really impressive player. Kind of reminds me of like a young A.J. Green in terms of his play style and the way that he can win going up against the Georgia secondary that is brand new. Uh, I mean, this is uh, all new starters across the board here for the Georgia Bulldogs. but. One of these faces in that secondary, a familiar foe for Justin Ross because it is former Clemson corner D.K. Kendrick playing on the perimeter, 
Great man-to-man cover skills. Uh, this guy's got all the tools to be a starter in the NFL. He can go up and win at the catch point. He's got outstanding ball skills, but then also his ability to come down and mirror one-on-one. Uh, he's got the skill set to be able to shadow Justin Ross. The two faced each other in practice on a daily basis for the first couple of years of each of their careers. I'm excited to see uh, what it looks like here on Saturday night, these two guys going head-to-head. Yeah, and it's important to know it's a new era on that Georgia secondary. With yeah. Kirby Smart, it's still the head coach, but there's a lot of new bodies out there. No more Tyson Campbell and DJ Campbell and Mark Webb and LeCount and Tyreek Stevenson transferred. There's a lot of new players. That starts with DK Kendrick coming over from Clemson. Really excited to see Lewis sign at safety as well. There's some other bodies here that are seniors. Amir Speed, Latavius Brini. These are guys that have been with the program for a number of years, but just really speaks to the veteran presence that was in front of them. There's going to be a lot of new bodies, a lot of new names. Let's see if they click and gel right away. There's no time for a learning curve. You got the Clemson Tigers coming to town. Is there one guy outside of Kendrick? Is it signed uh, in terms of like who you're most excited to see? Uh, is it Lewis signed the safety? Absolutely. And he's listed now at 200 pounds, which last year is 185. Had some eye-popping plays in the spring game. Look at some of the range. He had an interception where he moved from the middle of the field to the sideline. I thought he was a little more frail. If he's a legit 200, 205, put on some good weight, I'm really excited to see him. He could be one of the names that has a meteoric rise of draft boards just because he really hasn't played yet, but he's dripping with talent and potential. I like it. All right, well, let's get to our next category here. Most to gain. This is a player who could really benefit from a strong performance here in week one. And and I'll kick things off with this one. I'm going to go not to a Saturday game. I'm going to go to the next night. Sunday night football, Notre Dame, Florida State, NBC, uh, Kyron Williams, uh, I think, is an outstanding running back here for the Irish and was a big part of their success a year ago. But we've got a lot of new faces, once again, on that Notre Dame offense. Huge changes up front along the offensive line. New quarterback in Ian, or without Ian Book, right? So a lot of changes on the offensive side of the football. Can Kyron Williams continue to be that engine? And again, the other big one, this is a prime slot. No NFL games on Sunday. No other college games on Sunday. You got a big opponent in Florida State. They're still, obviously, they're in a little bit of a transition phase as a program, but still a huge brand. If in prime time, Kyron Williams goes off the way that he did last year, I mean, the people, the buzz is going to continue to build for him. I really like Kyron Williams. I think that he's got the ability to be a starting running back in the NFL. Certain kind of player because he's a little bit undersized, but I think this guy's got breakaway speed. I love him on third down. He's a natural pass catcher. Maybe the best pass protector that I've studied at the running back position. This guy is outstanding as a blocker, and and that's going to earn him a role for certain uh, moving on to the NFL. But I I think he's got some dynamic qualities to his game. I'm excited to see him here in year two as a, as a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore uh, here for the Irish. So uh, he's a, a great player in college, but I think he could even benefit even more from a strong performance, prime time, only game on TV Sunday night. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of new faces in that Notre Dame offensive yeah, no huddle. Doubt. New offensive line, new quarterback, some new weapons on the outside. I really want to pick Dustin Crum here mm-hmm. against Texas A&M from Kent State, who I think has a chance to get his way to the Senior Bowl and be one of those kind of late-round uh, developmental quarterbacks. He looked really good last year. He only played in four games, went three and one. I think they put up a lot of points in some of them. I wanted to pick Bubba Bolden. Miami safety playing Alabama this week, Fran. You got Jaleel Billingsley, the RPOs, the run fits are important for safeties against Alabama. But scratch all that. We're going Central Michigan against Missouri. 
kind of an interesting matchup. Central Michigan against an SEC team, and they play LSU in two weeks. So two yeah. SEC opponents. That means big left tackle Bernhard Raymond, who has been kind of a sleeper. I think he's international player. He's been adding weight and getting better and better. He's going to play an SEC type of front. They got Trajan Jeffcoat out there. This is a huge game for Bernhard Raymond. And the MAC Defensive Player of the Year, first team All MAC the past two years, Troy Brown. I love this linebacker, Fran. Everybody's converting safeties to linebacker in the NFL. He's already done it. He's been doing it for three years. He's undersized, but he has all sorts of explosiveness, speed, range. He gets to see Tyler Beatty, that dual threat pass catching running back out of Missouri. I think is going to be a really fun matchup. And I'm excited for Central Michigan. I think they got huge opportunity this month against Missouri and then LSU in a couple of weeks to really, you know, put some uh, high quality uh, play on tape. Yeah, the Mac has produced a ton of really talented players over the years in Central Michigan. I mean, they they have churned out some great ones. Joe Staley was a first round pick out of Central Michigan. Uh, you can go to Antonio Brown. Obviously, it was a day three pick who turned into one of the best receivers in the NFL. They've had players on both sides go, and certainly plenty of buzz about both those players there in Raymond and Troy Brown. All right, let's go to the next one here. We're going to call this prospects after dark. Okay, because uh, you know me, like Ben, I love sitting when I can go from twelve until two a.m. Uh, and watch college football straight through. But <laughs> reality is, you know, you, you get I've got I've got a two year old at home. Chances are that's not going to happen for me on a weekly basis. But after the little guy goes to bed, I sit down. It's like eight o'clock. You get a drink. You sit. You get so you get some chips. You get some dip. And I'm like, all right, what's the game I'm going to watch? Who's the player I'm going to focus in on? So with this segment, that's going to be the goal. If there's a player in a game that's after eight o'clock Eastern or later, who do we want to watch? I'll let you kick things off here. I got to say, Fran, I'm already sick of hearing about this Nevada offense. Carson <laughs> Strong, Romeo Dobbs on the outside. I've been hyping up right tackle Aaron Frost ad nauseum. You got a really interesting tight end. They're playing Cal this week. They only have two power five opponents on the schedule. They're going to play Kansas State in a couple weeks. But Carson Strong against Cal, that's Justin Wilcox, one of the better defensive coaches in that Pac-12. Some veteran presence on that defense and Cameron Good and Coney Dang. I want to see Carson Strong show up against some of these power five defensive backs and power five speed, power five pass rushers, and really show up, you know, when he needs to. This is going to be the high level tape scouts are pointing to. It's going to be this in Kansas State are going to be the first ones that scouts are going to want to get their hands on to look at Carson Strong and all those other guys put in that same conversation. So my eyes will obviously be on right tackle Aaron Frost because, you know, he's just looking to maul and ankle bite somebody out there. He's a nasty offensive lineman, one of my favorite in the country. But don't go to sleep, uh, you know, after 8, 9 o'clock. I think it's a really good high-level game of some NFL prospects. So that one starts at 10.30 Eastern over on FS1. Take so, a nap, uh, Fran. Relax, yeah, right? Take exactly a nap. right. Uh, I'll, I'll be excited for that one, though, because you get to see Carson Strong, who, uh, you know, we talked with Greg Cosell last week here on the show, got his thoughts on this quarterback class, and we said, Greg, who's the guy that could make that rise? Who could be Joe Burrow? Who could be Zach Wilson? He pointed to Carson Strong, so you get a chance to see him here. And the thing I loved about Greg saying that, and one of the first things he said about Carson Strong, is he's aggressive throwing the ball. And what you need out of quarterbacks is the aggressive mentality of throwing the ball down the field, and Carson Strong does that. They are going to air that ball out. Uh, I've got some low-hanging fruit here because this is a player that typically this year you're going to be seeing in the 12 o'clock games. You're going to see him 3.30 on a a lot of college football Saturdays in that prime uh, CBS slot for the SEC. This is LSU corner Derek Stingley Jr., future top three, top five selection. 
They play UCLA on the road, so it's an 8.30 start here against the Bruins for LSU. We're going to talk about the game here in the next segment with Ross as well, so I won't give give you a sense of who I'm necessarily going to pick to win that one, but Derek Stingley, I mean, there's not a lot to say. He's probably the best player in the country, regardless of position. Just ridiculous physical tools, but also an outstanding football player in terms of his intelligence, his competitiveness. In every phase, Derek Stingley, outstanding and as you've talked about here on the show, we might see him a little bit on offense as well here this year. I think they're trying to fluff up uh, that potential Heisman campaign for Derek Stingley. So uh, Derek Stingley, easy reason to watch LSU, UCLA. That's 830 on Saturday night. So keep an eye out uh, for that one. All right. We do predictions in the next segment here with with pick six with Ross Tucker. But we're going to do one here on this segment as well. Call your shot. This is an idea you came up with. We're going to predict a big game from a prospect this weekend, a little bit of a short profile as well, but I'll let you go first. Call your shot. Who's a guy that could have a big weekend here on Saturday? Yeah, an interesting ranked versus ranked matchup we may not have expected, and that's the Indiana Hoosiers against the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes. Mm. So what's the big matchup I'm looking for? Which, Fran, I love these interconference matchups right out the gate. Early on, you got yeah. Ohio State, Minnesota, I think Thursday night. But I think Indiana's defense is going to light up this Iowa offense. And that's first and foremost, Micah McFadden at center, or excuse me, at middle linebacker. He should see a lot of Tyler Linderbaum, center for Iowa. But Mike McFadden, I think, is one of the best linebackers in the country. And he really could be a day two pick uh, by the time you come to the spring. Taiwan Mullen, one of our favorite mm-hmm. corners in the country out there. And a lot of veteran guys on the back end, whether it's Marcelino Ball out there, Devin Matthews. They have a nasty defense. I don't think people really understand how good this defense is that Tom Allen deploys at Indiana. Iowa right out the gates. They better wake up. You know, uh, I just watched uh, Tyler Linderbaum for the first time this morning. He is a stud. He is really, <laughs> really, really good. We're going to talk about him with Ross uh, in the next segment as well. Um, for me, I'm going to go out West. I'm going to go back out to the West coast. Uh, interesting one. Cause we talked about San Jose state this past week with, with, uh, with Dane, right. Where we talked about uh, some of the players they showed it was a big win for them, but you look at San Jose state going up against USC and this USC offense, they've got a little bit, they've got some changes as well. No more Amon Ross St. Brown, no more Tyler Vaughn's. Those guys have been staples in that passing game. So who's next to step up? And I think you got to watch the rising junior wide receiver, Drake London. And this guy is built like a horse. I mean, he has got outstanding size, outstanding length, and he has been dominant in the slot. I'm interested to see, is he going to get more looks on the perimeter? But against the San Jose State secondary, I like the I like Drake London's chances here. Yeah, Keaton Slovis uh, entering his third year as a starter, a little bit of an up and down season for him a year ago. But how is he going to look here in his debut? Five o'clock on uh, on Saturday afternoon, Pac-12 Network. Uh, no other games starting at that time, so it's kind of in that weird void. Like uh, you know, like, what's a, what's a game that's kicking off now? You can go and check out uh, USC San Jose State. Drake London uh, could be worth the price of admission here in 2021. I think he's an and Fran. That was player. a guy that Renner Renner mocked to the Packers in the first round. Yeah, so another guy with first round, you know, ability potential, and some draft analysts liking as a first round, you know, type of player already. Everybody loves uh, player comparisons, and I know on. Uh, Mike Renner's podcast over on uh, what was previously the two for one drafts. I think now they're, they're the tailgate podcast. They, it was him and Austin uh, do an outstanding job uh, over on that show. They had uh, USC head coach Clay Helton on the show earlier this off season, And he compared Drake London to Mike Evans. Now, that's a, might be a little bit rich for my blood. I think Mike Evans is a little bit more uh, freaky of an athlete in terms of his explosiveness and his verticality, but uh, everyone loves player, uh, player comparisons. So, 
we thought, let's throw a player comparison segment uh, into this one, and we're going to do a comparison chat. We're going to use an NFL comp to pro- profile a prospect that's got a big game here this weekend. I'll let you kick off here uh, with the, the comparison chat. Yeah, well, Virginia Tech defense, we always know they pump out a lot of defensive prospects in the NFL. They play North Carolina right out the gates in that high-powered attack with Sam Howell throwing the ball down the field, Ty Chandler coming over from Oklahoma to replace the production of Michael Carter and Javante Williams. But Virginia Tech has some really interesting guys on the defensive side of the ball, particularly defensive end Amari Barno, who is 6'6". He was about 225. He's now up to 245. He is tall. He is long. Who's my comp? Reminds me a lot of Arden Key at LSU. Mm. I know Arden's hopped around with some teams and trying to find a home in the NFL, but this guy is tall. He's long. He operates out of that four-point stance with really good initial uh, first step, initial getting off the ball, good pop on contact. He gives guys a lot of problem with his effort and his length. I think he's a guy that could really kind of get after Stan Howell uh, and cause uh, North Carolina's offense to have some problems this weekend. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with Penn State safety Jaquan Brisker, who uh, was headed to the senior bowl before he decided to go back for another year of eligibility here. Uh, We're going to talk about that Penn State matchup in the next segment with Ross as well. So uh, we've done a little bit of a double dip with some of these previews. But I think I look at Jaquan Brisker. He's got a lot of athletic traits. He's got a cornerback background. Uh, the the mental processing is an area I'd like to see him get a little bit better at. And if he had come out last year, one guy that I had written down was TJ Green, who was kind of a corner safety hybrid coming out of Clemson, was drafted in the third round by the Indianapolis Colts and didn't really work out there. He's bounced between both positions. I believe now he's down with the Atlanta Falcons, uh, who the Eagles face in week one. Uh, I think Brisker is a guy that right now, a lot of traits, I'm excited to see him in year two with another year uh, of development. So uh, he is my pick here for our player comparison chat. uh, Another segment we will do on a weekly basis here for Saturday scouting. Let's round things out with our mock draft roundup where we pick a mock draft. Uh, I'll just go to the internet. I'll literally, I I will literally type in to Google NFL mock draft. We'll see one of the recent ones, the ones that come across uh, the the page there um, over the last week. And this week, we're going to go over to the Pro Football Network. James Fergosa did a one-round mock draft, and he has the Eagles having two selections here in this mock draft. Eagles picking at number six, and then again at number 19 in that pick from the Miami Dolphins. So we'll start with the sixth overall selection here. Eagles pick cornerback Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Here's the blurb here uh, from James. He said, Booth's career is full of highlights, albeit a small sample size. What he lacks in elite speed, he more than makes up for in balance and footwork. He can mirror any receiver across from him, and his ball skills are extraordinary. We haven't seen enough reps to say he's a surefire top 10 pick, but the potential is there. Just a a quick, before I want to get, I want to get your thoughts on Andrew Booth and him being a top 10 pick here, Ben. Uh, But real quick, since the Eagles are picking at six in this scenario, I wanted to show... Who went top five? So you've got quarterbacks Malik Willis and Spencer Rattler going off the board one and two. You've got Kyle Hamilton going number three, the safety from Notre Dame. Derek Stingley, we talked about, number four to the New York Jets. And then number five, you've got Alabama offensive tackle Evan Neal to Cincinnati. So, Ben, uh, let me get your reaction to Andrew Booth. And then I guess I have one little follow-up here. One guy that's missing off this top five, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the the talented defensive end from Oregon. Uh, Do you feel like at the end of the day, like Booth has that level of upside that you would take him over a top-end pass rusher like Thibodeau? I mean, Booth is you know certainly trending that way. He's been getting better and better each year, but he's still a young player. He's going to be a true junior this year. 
I think he's more of a zone corner, to be honest with you. He makes a lot of his plays and that side saddle bail that allow him to keep his eyes in the backfield and kind of jump routes and uh, really eight quarterbacks. And he's got the ball skills. He's got the explosiveness, the short area quickness. He's really good. I just think he needs a little bit of work in his press coverage just a little bit. So that might make him scheme specific. But here in Philadelphia, we're playing a lot of zone. So right. uh, he may be a good fit. But to see Andrew Booth go ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau, that's something you're not seeing too often. That's not something you're hearing too often. Uh, and an edge rusher like Thibodeau with a outside linebacker defensive end type of skill set. I think there's a need for that on every team. Even right. if you already have a Khalil Mack or a Von Miller or whoever you want off the edge, you need someone on the other side. So here in Philadelphia, whether it's Barnett or BG or Josh Sweat or whoever's on the roster, you could still use a Kayvon Thibodeau on any defensive front. So uh, that would be surprising and certainly not the way things are trending. Uh, but Andrew Booth's, uh, his stock as a prospect is certainly landing in this ballpark. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, ended up starting more games as the year went on last year for Clemson after DK Kendrick kind of fell out of favor and he made some outstanding highlight play. I mean, his ball skills are outstanding. Uh, I agree, probably a better fit in zone. I do think he's got some man-to-man ability. I think his tools are, are impressive. I'm interested to see him now Full sample size. Let's get him with a full year as a starter. I'm excited to see that here. And it starts uh, this week against Georgia. Uh, let's go to that 19th pick. He's got the Eagles selecting offensive lineman Kenyon Green. He's got him listed as an offensive tackle. Green is from Texas A&M. Here's the blurb here uh, from James. Kenyon Green has played guard for Texas A&M for the last two years, but he will kick out the tackle in 2021, and that will be where he stays in the NFL thanks to his ability in space. Green needs to prove that he's technically proficient enough to earn a first-round grade tackle, but the physical tools are unmatched. So uh, thoughts here on Kenyon Green here, Ben. Well, I think we're seeing a lot of guard tackle hybrids come out and the conversation will start once you get to that team. Uh, There's a lot of people that thought Rashawn Slater was a through and through guard and he looks like he'll be the left tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers this year. There's a bunch of guys across uh, this past class that fit that mold. I like Green a little bit more at guard. He was a right guard in 2019, left guard in 2020, expecting to be left tackle in 2021. And if you look at the Eagles situation, Brandon Brooks just turned 32. Kelsey's going to be 34 in November. Time to look to the future of the interior. We love Landon Dickerson in that equation and in that formula. I think Kendrick Green would be a pretty nice uh, adjacent lineman to the right of him. You know, put, you know, Dickerson at center in the future. You know, maybe Kenyon Green's the future of the right guard position. I'd be pretty uh, spoiled to go from Brandon Brooks to Kenyon Green here in Philadelphia. Yeah, Kenyon Green, a really fun player, and he's played. This will be his third position in three years, and that versatility uh, will definitely help him. He's, he's and that's another spot, Fran, yeah. that even if you look at the starters, look at the age, and try to look down the road, you can never have enough depth and quality yeah. players at the offensive line position. I'm speaking of the choir after just going through the 2020 Eagles with you know 26 different offensive line combinations and 16 games or whatever it was. I'm making up yeah. numbers, but I think we all know depth gets tested, particularly on that offensive line. Just to give people a sense of the other players that went in that range around 19, the two guys that went before Kenyon Green in this scenario, Chris Olave, the, the explosive wide receiver from Ohio State, he went 17. Ikem Aquanu, uh, the offensive tackle from NC State, who a lot of people feel could be a road grading guard, he went number 18. So uh, at 20, you have Arkansas wide receiver Traylon Burks and then Purdue pass rusher George Karlaftis. So some great players going in that range. Uh, I love, honestly, I love all four of those guys. You throw Kenyon Green in there. Uh, five really talented players right in that range uh, for that Eagle selection there, potentially at number 19. So uh, we'll always check in uh, at some mock drafts. Sometimes we'll go a little bit deeper than this, uh, but usually we'll go, we'll just kind of see who are some of the names that are being talked about uh, for the Eagles in that area 
of the draft. Well, Ben, uh, we'll be breaking down everything we see here this weekend. Monday night with Dane Brugler. It'll be a podcast that'll hit everybody's feed Tuesday morning. Make sure you stay tuned right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Now it's time for Pick 6. Well, back and better than ever for year two of our Pick 6 segment, the great Ross Tucker. You could hear him uh, on the preseason broadcast for the Eagles. You could follow him on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast and a number of other podcasts in the Ross Tucker Football Network. Ross, thanks so much for joining us here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. Absolutely, Fran. My pleasure. Great to be here always. Uh, This was so much fun last year, especially next week when we track our picks and see how they did. I love keeping track of it every week. Looking forward to being back with you this season. Yeah, last year we had a really good competition, weekly pickums, and same kind of idea here. I'll try and be a little bit more strict with myself in terms of having those same amount of, all right, we're going to do a couple straight pickums a week. We'll do one over under. Uh, we'll have a couple different categories that we hit on, but we'll always make six different picks on all the biggest games uh, each week. And we'll start off with a couple straight pickums here, Ross. Let's jump right in. The very first one, one of the big games of the weekend, LSU heading out west to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA. Who do you like here? Straight pick them and why? Uh, This is the first time these two teams have ever met. I like UCLA. Um, And I'll tell you why I like UCLA. I like the fact that they have a game under their belt. I thought they looked really good against Hawaii. And, And I was a little disappointed by Hawaii, but I thought UCLA looked really good. And LSU's got some real challenges, uh, Fran. They've obviously had some injuries. Um, Emory Hunt, who is a mutual friend of ours and my co-host now on the College Draft Podcast, mentioned LSU's, I guess, practicing in Houston all week Yes, because of the hurricane. A lot of those guys are from New Orleans. I just think those guys probably have a lot on their mind. I think it's a difficult week for LSU. Uh, now, maybe you can argue the opposite, that they're locked in and that they're, as a team together, and they're going to rally around, you know, the issues with Hurricane Ida. But I don't know. I feel like that's a lot to ask of 18, 19, 20-year-olds. I'll take UCLA. I, I would agree with you. I'm going to take UCLA as well for a lot of the same reasons. I mean, they've the, obviously the quarterback they were hoping to have – Uh, be their starter coming into this season. He's injured right now, so they've got to go with the backup. I think you'll have a – if you're an LSU fan, you'll have a really good sense of this team here in 2021 with how this week goes. If they come out uh, and get a win on the road and facing the adversity that they have faced over the last few days, um, I think that that's a a good sign for them moving forward. It's a little bit of a younger team. We know they've got pieces on both sides, but uh, I I like UCLA here uh, in this matchup. I guess, too, the other big thing, Remember LSU, and this might not impact the players as much, but you know it certainly can impact staff. I mean, this is a, an LSU program that has been marred with uh, with some adversity and with some controversy, uh, just with what's going on in that athletic department over the last six months as well. So I, I think when you look at LSU going into this game, tall task uh, going out west. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I will also take UCLA. Let's go to the next one here. One of the big ones, arguably the biggest game of the week: Georgia, Clemson. Who wins the game and why? Yeah, I'm going back and forth on this, uh, especially with the game being at Clemson and that crowd and and going crazy on Saturday night. But I'm going to go with the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I I really think Georgia, they've got the veteran quarterback in JT Daniels. They have a lot 
coming back on both sides of the ball, especially on defense. I kind of feel like this is the Bulldogs' year. Clemson really lost a lot. You know, when you think about Jackson Carmen and Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence, I know they recruit really well, and I know they're loaded. I know Georgia lost some guys as well, and not having George Pickens really hurts. But they've known that for a while. They've got other guys. Uh, call it a hunch, Fran. I, I think Georgia, uh, with the more experienced quarterback, finds a way to get this done Saturday night. So I will go opposite from you here. I'm actually going to take the Clemson Tigers. And here's why. Number one, uh, I do like them at home at night uh, here in this scenario. I also have a big belief in DJ Uyangale, the, the new quarterback here, the true sophomore for Clemson. Got a chance to study all of his throws from last year as a freshman. Uh, he went on the road and gave Notre Dame all they could handle as a playoff team. Uh, I think when you look at this kid, I made the comparison, Ross, he looks like Cam, you know, in terms of just his size, his athleticism, his ability to drive the football. He has got a howitzer for, of an arm, uh, and he can impact the run game in a way, even ways that Trevor Lawrence could. And Trevor Lawrence was a really good athlete as well. So I look at Uyangalale. I look at this Clemson defensive front, um, which hopefully, look, you get Xavier Thomas back. Uh, you get Tyler Davis back a little bit healthier than what we saw both of those guys last year. You still have Brian Breezy, and you have the rest of that defensive front going up against the Georgia offensive line that – you know, they, they've taken their lumps this offseason. Um, they're still kind of moving some pieces around as well. So I think when, overall, uh, I like Clemson here in this matchup. They, they certainly had some losses on the offensive side of the football. Uh, but I will take the Tigers uh, in this matchup here. Uh, let's go to our third one. Now, we're going to go to an over-under. And, and here's, the, here's the number I'm going to give you. 174 and a half, all right, rushing yards by the Iowa Hawkeyes led by that center, Tyler Linderbaum, the uh, outstanding center there for Iowa, going up against Indiana. So we're going to go in your wheelhouse here. We're going to go Big Ten, Iowa, over under 174.5 rushing yards against the Indiana Hoosiers. I'm going to go over. Um, I think Indiana has a pretty good defense. Obviously, last year was a special year for Tom Allen and his team. But this is what Iowa does. Um, you know, it looks like the weather won't be too hot in terms of Indiana's defense wearing down. But I like Iowa, that offensive line. You mentioned Linderbaum, man. I mean, he has rare, rare agility for the position. You know, he reminds me, Fran, of a lot of the, the zone centers over the years that like the Denver Broncos had maybe a little undersized, like Tommy Nalen. I was just going to say Tom Nalen, yep. Tom Nalen, Casey Wingman, just exceptional lateral quickness that uh, it's a game changer. People don't realize it. He is a gap stealer, mm. okay? He takes over gaps that are supposed to be the defenses, and he owns them. And it's very rare you can say this about a center, but he's a weapon. He really is. Mm. Yeah, I so basically the way that I came up with this number, the 174 and a half, I looked at Iowa's last five games last year, took all those rushing totals and just found the average of those five. And it was 174.5. I went back and forth here. Uh, since you went over, I'll take the under here. And I, basically what I'm going to bank on is I'm going to bank on the Indiana offense, and we know they return a lot of their big players, right? Uh, they bring back Fry Frogo, wide receiver. Uh, you have Michael Penix coming off the injury, uh, but you've got some players out there in Indiana. You mentioned the year that they had a year ago. Uh, I'm going to bank on Indiana, putting some points up on the board, and maybe forcing Iowa to throw it a little bit more than what we were hoping. So I will take the under here 
for the uh, for the Iowa Hawkeyes and 174 and a half. We'll see how that goes uh, in my favor. Number four here. This one's going to be an either or. And basically what we'll do with it, we're going to do one of these each week. And either or will, hey, it's this player or this team or that player. And for this, this question here, we're going to say which team turns the ball over more on Saturday. We're going to stay in the Big Ten. Penn State and Wisconsin. Two teams last year. You had, you know, Graham Mertz, a quarterback for Wisconsin. They had some of the turnover issues uh, whenever they took the field. Remember, they, they had a really messed up season last year uh, due to COVID-19. Penn State uh, as well. They had issues protecting the football. So which team turns the ball over more on offense, Penn State or Wisconsin? Oh, it's Penn State. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, so there, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, Penn State's playing on the road. Yep. And it'll be a packed house at Wisconsin for the first time in over a year. The noise will be a major factor. That's not good for mm-hmm. Penn State. Secondly, Sean Clifford, Penn State's third-year starting quarterback, he had major issues last year. I don't yep. know what happened to him because as a first-year starter in 2019, he took care of the ball very well. That was not the clay, the case for Clifford and Penn State last year. He's got yet another offensive coordinator, his third in three years, mm. with Mike Yursich. Wisconsin's got a heck of a defense. Uh, Chanel and Sanborn and Herbig, I mean, yeah. they, they always do. Jimmy Leonard, my former teammate, as the D coordinator. And meanwhile, I think when Wisconsin has the ball, with everything Penn State lost on the defensive line, I think they're just going to run the rock. I think they're going to just try to pound Penn State. Yep. I don't think they'll throw the ball a ton against, actually, I think, a pretty decent Penn State secondary this year. I think Wisconsin runs the ball, less likely to uh, turn it over. I think Wisconsin wins the game. And so Penn State coming from behind, more likely to get a strip sack or an interception there, uh, Penn State. Uh, I, you couldn't have said it better. You hit on every single point I would have hit on. I'm taking Penn state, uh, in this one as well. I do have one question for you though. Uh, obviously look, we live in the Philadelphia area. There are plenty of people that listen to this podcast that, uh, that are fans of the Nittany Lions. Is there a player on that side of the ball offensively that, uh, gives you some juice, uh, coming into this season that, uh, fans should be excited about? Yeah, I think so. Um, there, there's a bunch of, I think the guy that people should look at, uh, a lot for Penn State. I'm going to go Jaquan Brisker. Yeah. He's a safety, accepted a senior bowl invite last right. year. Yep. But then ended up saying, I'll use the extra year of eligibility. Uh, they really like him. He's a big kid. He runs a 4 3. Yep. Um, so I'll be curious to see now that last year was his first year starting and really getting experience. I'll be curious to see what he does now with a full season of major college football under his belt because he's a former. Juco transfer. Yeah, he was a, a big time high school corner, if I remember, uh, from Western PA. And he uh, obviously athletically, everything's there. I am glad that he took that extra year because I saw him very much as a developmental player when I studied him before the se- when he got that senior bowl invite. Uh, I went and studied him right away. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, you know, a little bit lukewarm on terms of where he looked. So I'm excited to see him with another year of seasoning, another year of development there uh, for Jaquan Brisker. They've got actually two guys uh, in that secondary that accepted senior bowl invites last year and then went back for that extra year uh Tariq Castro Fields the uh the corner there for uh, the Nittany Lions uh he is another one of those players let's go to the next one here we're going to play high low at which number is higher and that's going to be the goal uh for that segment or for this uh, this category each week which number is higher the margin of victory for number one Alabama over number 14 Miami 
or the AP ranking for the Hurricanes by Monday morning. So either AP rankings will come out Sunday. Uh, so what, what's the higher the higher number? The margin of victory for Alabama or Miami's ranking come Monday morning? So by higher, you mean if Miami is ranked 23rd, that's higher. That's the over-under. Yep, exactly. Yep. Okay, okay, okay. So I will say, geez. I'm going to say... I was very proud of myself for coming up with this one, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's a good one, Fred. That, that's, I like the creativity for sure. I am going to say... Um, I'll say Alabama's margin of victory. Yeah. I think Alabama ends up winning by about 20 to 24, and Miami ends up being 17, 18, something like that. Mm. All right. Let's see, I, I'm, I'm interested to see just like the respect that Miami gets. If Miami, even if they do lose by like three or four scores, you know, if, as long as they don't look terrible doing it, I don't think they're going to drop that far in the rankings. Now, if they come out and just get their doors blown off, like, could they go from 14 to, you know, unranked? And they're like 27th in votes or 28th in votes. Like, uh, I am interested to see ultimately how that goes. Because, uh, you, you, you know, it's tough, man. Like, Miami is that is one of those teams where everybody wants to buy in. Everybody's way, oh, is Miami back? Is Texas back? Is this school back? Is UCLA back? But every year they kind of come up a little bit short. I was going to go by the Bama margin, uh, and I think I probably will, will stick with that. You know, you look at Bryce Young. Uh, he's coming in as the new starting quarterback, taking over from Mac Jones. Uh, John Mechie uh, at wide receiver. I expect him to have a really big season. They've got Billingsley, a number of players uh, on the offensive side of the ball, ready to take that next step. Obviously, look, they uh, lost a lot in terms of skill talent from that national title team a year ago. Uh, but I will also go with the Bama margin. Uh, we'll see how this goes here for the Hurricanes. Last one here. Upset special, where I gave you a big sample of games. I said, if you could pick one of these, which what upset do you like the most? I'll let you kick things off. What's your uh, your favorite upset here for this coming weekend in college football? You know what? Uh, I'm going with a big one. All right, what do you, what do you got? Let's go. Uh, I'm taking Fresno State over Oregon. Oh, I like you. Uh, you, lo- you love Ronnie Rivers. I love Ronnie Rivers. I watched Fresno State against UConn on Saturday. The quarterback, Hayner, the Washington transfer, he's good. They look really good on defense. They've got some wide receivers that can run. They have a game under their belt, which I think is helpful. Oregon kind of breaking in a new quarterback. Yeah, I I, I like Fresno State. Now, look, these are all tough, right? They're they're, um, big underdogs in this game. But I'm I'm going for it, man. I'm going for a big swing. I like it. Uh, I am going to go for one as well. And I'm going to go for one of these SEC teams uh, losing to a group of five. I like Skip Holtz and Louisiana Tech over Mississippi State and Mike Leach. Now, remember, Mississippi State jumped all over LSU last year in that week one game in the SEC. Uh, they beat the defending national champs, and it was like, oh, man, the, the air raid's going to take over the SEC. And after that, Mississippi State kind of fizzled. I kind of look at Louisiana Tech and Skip Holtz. Yeah, they lost a couple players, including the Eagles' third-round pick here uh, in Milton Williams. But that defense is always ready to play. They've got guys flying around at all three levels of the field. Uh, I, they got the whole offseason getting ready for this matchup. I like Louisiana Tech uh, upsetting Mississippi State. We'll see if that one uh, comes true. So we got a couple that we differed here on, Ross. A nice little preview of week one in college football. Uh, we'll see who comes out on top. We'll join you next week here to, uh, to break it down. Sounds great, man. I cannot wait. Let's do it.
Well, great stuff there from Ross. It's fun as always. I can't wait to have our weekly conversations uh, with Ross right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. That said, this was a really fun episode. I can't wait for the kickoff of officially of college football here on Saturday. We've got games the rest of the week here with our Thursday night, Friday night. We're getting into Saturday. Like I mentioned earlier, we've got a Sunday night game. We've got a Monday night game. So college football uh, is back in full swing. Excited to talk about it all next week right here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.